picture your life as a four burner stovetop. One burner represents your family, one is your friends, the third your health, and the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earl, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners. My name is Joshua and joining me this week, please welcome. Oh, I'm so excited. Very excited. Please welcome <laughs> comedian, musician, podcaster. It's Cameron James, everyone. Yay. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You just described yourself in those three words as well. I, well, I was thinking we are very, very similar in our upbringings and our career as well. Uh-huh. I mean, both come from working class towns, mm-hmm. both into stuff that our family would have described as drama shit. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Both move from those towns. Yep. <laughs> to the big city, do comedy, do musical comedy. Mm-hmm. Very influenced by the uh, rock and roll revival of the early two thousands. Oh, big time, big yeah. time. Yeah. Hey, do hey. Just before we fully dive into it, do you know what really made me feel sick the other day was when I realised it was twenty years since uh, "Take Me Out" by Franz Ferdinand came out. I felt that was the first time that it really dawned on me that I'm aging. Yeah. Yesterday. Whoa. (laughs) What a discreet period of time that has, it can now be looked back on as a a nostalgia piece. That's crazy. It's so funny. So yesterday in the news cycle, there was a story on how Gen Z are saying wallets age you. If you have a wallet, it means you're old. Oh my God. And in the, so the show I work on did a story on it and in the news, it was like, so alongside skinny jeans and ankle socks wallets i'm like hey guys i was wearing both those things it's like yeah. I did. ankle socks it's like i didn't i didn't realize that having but then i was thinking it's worse though being 42 and trying to stay up with the current trends that's worse yeah, that's you can't the, yeah that's it's like when uh I was doing comedy when terms like lol and ruffle were first introduced into the lexicon. And <laughs> you just see like 50-year-old men going, oh, ruffle. It's like, oh, mate, put it away. <laughs> Don't even it. try. Stop it. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, Simon Amstel, the British comedian, a little while yep. ago saying that once you're, in, once you're 31 and up, you just have to start dressing like an adult. You can't yeah. try to look like the new kids. Yep. It doesn't mean stay the same as you did when you were younger, but it just means like wear fucking like slacks and a shirt and yeah. sensible shoes. <laughs> you, you, don't be, to cool. you don't be that guy who, I, I think this happens to a lot of men, they stay in the era where they were having the most uh, sex. So oh, like, wow. Go, you know, the, the leather jacket... Worked for me in 2001. <laughs> I'm going to get it out in 2024 and see how it goes. Well, that's another similarity we have is that we're both married men. So yes. we, don't need, we don't even need to think about that kind of shit. We're not up on stage trying to get laid. We got this ring and we're it means trying to don't get stress about home. a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't stress about a thing. Um, so we're going to talk about either career, health, family, friends first. Which one do you want to do first, Cameron, on your four burners? My question to you is, has everyone started with career? 
Uh, I don't think so. I don't think Brent, Ben did, and I don't think uh, Gillian. Did. I, don't, I don't know. I don't keep track of it. I should. I'm sure there's a podcast listener who does keep track of all these numbers. Do you want to start wow. with career? Well, I mean, it's yeah, yeah because we're already talking about comedy and stuff, yeah. so we may as well. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, career. Was it always a dream to be a comedian? No, 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 no. I want to be a musician forever. Yeah. Um, much as I assume you did too. I mean, you yep. did a theatre degree, didn't you? I did, yep. Yeah, so you wanted to be an actor, I assume, at one point. Yeah, so also my auntie did a theatre degree as well, so it was almost that thing of like, oh, that's something Family you could business. do. <laughs> yeah, well, she was a, a drama teacher. Oh, wow. That was how I got my parents to say, because they wanted me to do teaching. If I, was mm. going to, if I was going to uni, they were like, you've got to do something that's going to get you a job at the end of it. Because I was, yeah. o- I was offered a job as a hair, hairdresser. I was offered an apprenticeship at the end of year 10 and I turned it down. Wow. And, they bo- and they were both like, that is so stupid. That was a job. Hair's <laughs> never going to go away. That's like, a you- great point from them <laughs> though too. <laughs> yes. Drop out of high school, get a job. You can travel the world cutting people's hair. And it's Because like, they both dropped out of school. They both – dad – Got up to year 10, mum dropped out in year mm. nine. And so they were just like, mm. no, you just get a job. That's the whole point. You just get a job. And so if I was going yeah. to do uni, they were like, you know, you have to, like teaching, there's going to be teaching jobs. So I did theatre with the promise that I'll do a two-year teaching degree afterwards. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. right, right. So it was always like a, yeah, a compromise. You were doing it and there was a backup plan. Yeah. I guess I did the same thing because I... Yeah, mainly wanted to be a musician. I was playing in bands and stuff in Newcastle. But then kind of parallel to that, I, you know, I did drama in school. And so I kind of liked the idea of being an actor. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to go to an acting school. Even, even as a young person, I was like, acting school is bullshit. Like, what can they teach you that... That you haven't like, already got inside. <laughs> you, know? you didn't want to do spinal rolls and roll on the ground pretending you're an amoeba. That's what I remember. Like for most of my degree, and look, the degree was great. I really enjoyed myself, but like, yeah. it didn't really teach me much how to how to act. No, no. I mean, like, can they? I've read some of the acting books in the last couple of years, like all the big ones, the Stanislavski yeah. one and all that stuff, um, just to like understand if there's anything in these books that I need to learn and I swear to God, everything I read, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, isn't that obvious? Like, it's just use your imagination and pretend that you're sad in this scene. And you're like, yeah, (laughs) really? They have to like, people spend years learning this. (laughs) Isn't this what we all know? Like children know how to act. Anna Paquin wins an Oscar when she's nine or something like that. Like we, we can all do it. It's pretty easy. I got in trouble. I was saying this at work like a few months ago, saying there's only really like, if you think 10 really good actors yeah. and everyone, everyone else is fine. It's like with um, <laughs> Captain Phillips, they just got some guy, he was working in a phone shop and they yeah. said, oh, you can play, you can play the Somali pirate. Yeah, He's like, the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> incredible performance. He's great in it. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Like, yeah. like again. Up against Tom Hanks, who people say is the best male actor we've got, apart from Daniel Day-Lewis. And he's, like, going toe-to-toe with him. It's brilliant. That's such a great point. Anyone who wants to be an actor is a fucking idiot. Because, like, anyone can do it. You may as well. And you're right. There are only 10 good actors, I think, maybe ever. Not even just (laughs) now. I mean, ever. Yeah. And my my other thing is acting, especially film acting. Stage acting is a bit different. But film acting is, you get multiple goes. 
Yeah, true, true. <laughs> they can, they can just do it like cut. All right, we got the first part of that. That's perfect. All right, we're just gonna we'll do a close up. We'll do an edit. We'll get this second part. Also, Liam Neeson apparently I don't know if you know this hmm. has an earpiece in when he's doing like he doesn't even remember the lines. He just gets someone off 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 screen <laughs> to tell him, and he's got an earpiece in. That's, That's so good. They should do that with stand up. You should get like someone backstage whispering your jokes to you. Oh, What's the I, deal with? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a trial show this Sunday. I would love that. <laughs> <Just> so, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got. So you're in bands. I know one. Mm. You're in a cover band called Forty Four Frets. That's right. Yeah, I we've remember that. that in the past. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was in a few covers bands and uh, like because uh, Newcastle was a pretty small music scene, yep. so. Everyone played in each other's bands, whether it was covers bands or originals projects. You know, I, I, I was in so many originals bands that were 90% the same guys, boys, except yeah. for like one new guy would cycle through every now and then and we'd get a new MySpace page and change our name and get all new photos taken and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wanted to, I guess I wanted to kind of act, but I didn't even really... I didn't seriously pursue it. I think I did like one play. I did a play when I was 20 or something. And um, yeah, I used to tell people I wanted to be an actor, but I never made any moves towards doing that. I just liked music a lot. And then when the band wasn't working out when I was 23, um, I by that point, I think I had discovered stand-up and started moving in that direction i think and I, I think i've said this to you before but one of the maybe about a year before i started someone who played in a local newcastle band called rubik's cuba who which is a great name yeah. um who she knew that i was a fan of comedy she sent me a video of you doing stand-up and playing some songs oh no i didn't know this some, I thought I told you this. I don't no. know where it would have been. I was trying to rack my brains this morning. I'm like, what would it have been on? Might have been like a mm, comedy festival yeah. YouTube video. Um, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it was during the day and it may have even been at a library or maybe I'm just imagining that because I know you worked in yeah. a library at that time. <sighs> I've not. So what year was this? 2010. Okay. So I, that that was the year I did the gala, okay. Um, but then could have been, I, could have been gala. I, yeah, it could have been that. And then oh, look, I don't know because there's very little stuff. Also, there was uh, the Laugh a Palooza DVD that was uh, going oh. around, which uh, I do two songs on that, and we do uh, me and Justin, the bedroom philosopher, did. We had a group called the Renegades of Folk, and we did a, a cover of. Um, of um, what's it? Frontier Psychiatrist by the Avalanches. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It may have been Laugh a Palooza because um, I yeah I remember it wasn't a gala stage and yeah someone said this girl Sarah sent it to me and said this well, what she said was this reminds me of you <clears throat> and I loved that because you're cool and you had cool <laughs> hair and you're playing guitar and you're funny I was like fuck I, maybe I'll have a go at doing this sort of thing and then like yeah the next year I started well that's crazy. That year, I went to Newcastle and uh, did a gig with the Bedroom Philosopher at uh, the Lassagari Hotel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it, the Lass. It, and it was great. But it was that thing of like, this was, he had his band. I was the support act for the band. And so there was like seven people in his band and me. And we're just driving around 
the the country. So we did uh, Canberra, Sydney, Newcastle, and Brisbane, mm. and we were just sleeping on friends' couches <laughs> and stuff like that. And in Newcastle, I think is Mojo Juju from Newcastle. Yep. Yeah. They yeah. Uh, Mojo Juju played at the last a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So so they for those who know like a big ensemble like huge big band and it's in like big band is in a lot of members. Yeah, that was Newcastle's yeah. thing at the time. We had like a real alternative scene of kind of Arcade Fire-esque or yeah. of Montreal-esque bands that were, there'd be like 10 members and there'd be one guy on accordion. Yeah. And well, it I, was all a bit circusy. Like I, descri- circus I described them as a carny polyphonic spree. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. But they said, oh, you can stay at our place. And they mm-hmm. lived in a abandoned... At um, the Morrow. Well, the, a bowling club. Yeah, Morrow Park Bowling Club. It was like iconic oh, okay. New, Newcastle um, alternative scene yep. space. They'd put parties on there. They'd put yeah. shows on there. There was one guy who, what was his, his name was Zachary, one name only. Like Zachary with an I at the yep. end instead of a Y. And he was just this local muso. Um, and everyone used to tell stories about him. Like, do you know that he sleep? He his bedroom is the roof of the Morrow Park Bowling Club, and um, he'll always bring girls back there and serenade them and sing songs. But also, he's celibate, so he never sleeps with them. He just plays the music, and they all want to sleep with him, but he won't do it because he's he's celibate. So well, that, that was, that well, was that's who I was hanging out with. Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> the but I remember we were all slept, and then in the morning we were woken up. By children, there were like people with young families who were living oh, in that place, and it was so, a bit of a commune, yeah, yeah, it really was. And then we went and had a big soccer game. It was us eight <laughs> against eight guys who just lived there. It was <laughs> so much fun, and I walked away going, "Oh, Newcastle's a really creative city." Yeah, it had that element for sure, but that was something I didn't discover till I was probably like twenty, twenty-one, or whatever. Up until yep. then, all I knew about Newcastle was the suburbs, the shopping centres. Local sports teams, uh, when it came to anything artistic, obviously Silverchair and the Screaming Jets yeah. um, were kind of it. And then, yeah, when I was like in my early 20s, I started playing at places like the Lasso Gary as well and met that whole scene of people and was absolutely fascinated by it, but also incredibly intimidated. And I idolized that whole crew i had all their eps of course and all their albums and i just thought these are true artists you know yeah and then i think mojo juju might be the only one still around i think all the other bands have died off yeah there's so many bands that i was like obsessed with thinking oh wow they're like so cool and if i could Mm. find them and then i moved to melbourne and would see them around at their day jobs just going how how does this guy have to have a day job he's in this and it's like oh yeah because they're not like yeah you just can't it's impossible to make money no. How does how does any band in Australia thrive on if they're not like super famous? I don't You've understand. Just got to sell your stuff to commercials now. That's get that's, on a fucking high Hyundai ad. Yeah, that's how it is. So okay, so when do you move to Sydney? What what year? Tw- uh, around twenty eleven, I think. Uh, and that, oh and yeah, yeah, twenty eleven. And was that with the intention of comedy or just to N- get out of Newcastle? <clears throat> no. So my wife, uh, my now wife, had moved a year earlier for a job and we were doing like the kind of long distance thing for a while, but we also had some ups and downs in that period where we were kind of off and on uh, a little bit. And then I moved down to give the relationship a shot. And my plan was, because my band had just broken up that I was going to launch a solo music career in Sydney 
and I had, before I'd written any songs, I had the whole image um, figured out. I was going to be like a modern day um, David Bowie or Mark <laughs> Boland from T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like kind of glam. <laughs> I had this whole image where I was like glam, like glam needs to come back. No one's doing glam anymore. I'm going to wear big boots and I'm yep. going to have like, um, like fucking flowy shirts with crazy paisley patterns on them. And I'm going to like do these solo kind of like 1975 style, like proto punk songs. And I never wrote a single song, <laughs> but I had the whole plan and I was going to be called Flower Blood. That was my name. Amazing. Was it all one word? <laughs> two, two words, but one word actually would have been better. But I had this whole plan. I'm going to come down. I'm going to start doing the local scene as Flower Blood. <laughs> and then uh, I think within six months of moving, I had seen some stand-up. I went to yep. like a... So there was a night here in Sydney that um, Michael Hing used to run, and I went to that, and a bunch of com- bunch of great comics were on actually. Ben Elwood was on, and Eric Hutton, and a yep. few others, and uh, Jen Carnival or the Cloud Girls as they were known then. And um, I just kind of like got a bit obsessed, and very quickly just started doing doing open mic. As someone who also dabbled in the music uh, circles and comedy circles, I found that the comedy community was a lot more welcoming. Totally. And yeah. it was that thing, like, you could do one gig and say, oh, yeah, I'm a comic. And people yeah. kind of accept it. But also, like, fuck, this guy thinks he's a comic, he's on one gig. But it is that thing of, like, <laughs> y- you're still on the bill. Like, you're backstage with, like, people that you know from the telly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so true. And I still think that's one of the cool things about comedy is that the – there's like no uh, gatekeepers really. I mean, there are like, one, if you're climbing further up and you yeah. want to get TV and all that shit, of course there is. But as a point of entry, you can just do it yeah. and be and be in a scene really quickly. Were you a person who had like five-year, 10-year, 15-year plan kind of stuff mapped out? No, I, but I did because I had all this uh, like maybe unearned confidence from playing in bands for so long. <laughs> And mind you, like we'd had a, my last band had had a little bit of success. We had um, not huge success, but we toured as British India's uh, opener for one of their tours. And then we did <clears throat> some tour spots for Dukes of Windsor, who were a Melbourne band around yep. that time. Yep. Named and after a pub that then ended up being a uh, pizza place. Yeah, great. And we'd had maybe one or two songs played on Triple J a little bit on like Home and Hose. So I had a little bit of unearned confidence, but I honestly really thought, and this is so embarrassing to look back on, that I would be, once I started comedy, I I thought I'll be really, really successful at this within two years. Like I just had this thought, I'm going to be really good at this. And then the longer it took... (laughs) <laughs> the humbling just really started happening. Uh, you, I, yeah. My ego has changed so much in the last 15 years. Because I, years. I, look, I don't know. I don't know when we first met. I think it was in Perth we met, but we talked online. Mm, you yeah. were always, always very nice and around me. You weren't like coming in, gun swinging, going, yeah, here we go. I'm the, I'm the king of Sydney. I never thought I did. But then when I talked to people that knew me in 2011... Uh, they were like, yeah, you were such a little asshole. 
So again, I was probably like wearing my flower blood costume. Oh yeah. I was like, I came in with like skinny jeans and big boots and like a big quiff of hair and a leather jacket. And I was like, let, all right, here we go. I'm joining the comedy scene now. And, um, yeah, I think I was a, just a bit, maybe a bit cocky for that first year or so. And also not to like, not to, you know, but in that first year I got in the Raw National Final. So I, yep. I, my ego would have been a bit fucking bad, I think. Yeah. And then maybe in the year after that, I started just like chilling out a little bit and and then getting normal. Was there <laughs> was there a moment that what you remember that was the humbling experience that went, oh, I, I should pull my head in a bit here? I... You know, like when uh, were you in the Raw National Finals? I, I never did Raw. I never even entered you Raw. Never did, you no. never did Raw. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see. I, I read the the rules, which is like you can't make more than five hundred dollars out of comedy in one year. Mm. And it like my first, like oh, not my first, my third gig was at Falls Festival, like, mm. and then that paid more than five hundred dollars. So I was like, oh, I can't even enter. And then everyone's like going. They don't even look as if they're going to look. Ne- they don't look, of course but, not. But I also, it was that thing of my, for my own confidence. Going, no, I don't want to enter a competition because then I'll I won't win and I'll feel bad. Yeah, yeah, totally. I still I still feel that way about all those competitions. Um, but I think after doing the, uh, I ended up getting into the national finals for that, and everyone in Sydney was saying you'll you'll be in Comedy Zone next year. And for anyone who's not familiar with what comedy zone is it's like a melbourne comedy fe- it, if you get chosen to be in it it's uh, by the melbourne comedy festival it's a pretty big deal when yeah. you're a new comic yeah uh past participants are luke mcgregor silly pecola mm. um hannah gadsby hannah gadsby um luke Heggie. convicted convicted child pornographer andy muirhead <laughs> <laughs> all the greats <laughs> collectors um yeah, and then I didn't get picked for that, and I was that was a humbling because yeah. I'd been flying high, and when I didn't get picked for that, I just remember seriously looking at my set at the time that I'd auditioned with and just having to reckon with myself that it wasn't very good. Just yeah. going, oh, okay, yeah, I just I am new, I'm new at this, and I need to like try and get good at it. And then yeah, it's been like I think I've been doing comedy. I reckon 15 years, 14 or 15 years. And it's, I reckon I'm only starting to get decent at it now. <laughs> you know, I, I, for myself, I'm, I'm look, I look at my career in two different parts though. It's kind of like when I was doing songs and now I'm just not doing any music. And so it's, mm. and that's for me just to go to try and keep being inspired to keep going. So yeah. True. But is, is there a bit where, <clears throat> Because you're, you know, you're doing very well. So your was it your last show that was nominated for the most outstanding show on the comedy festival. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so once that happens, did you feel pressure for this new show that you're doing to the follow up? Is there any pressure there? You're like, oh, I got to make this as good as the last. Well, I think I did at the time because I'd been. That was my like fifth or sixth hour, and yeah. and like none of them had gotten any attention. If anything. Most of them went badly received. <laughs> like when I look back on the reviews, most of the shows were just like three-star shows and they weren't, you know, the, the general consensus was like funny, but not really much beyond that, you know? And so, and we just had COVID. So I'd had two years off without doing a show and I really treated 
that show like, um, well, this, you know, maybe I won't do festivals again in the future, but I want to do this. Yep. So this will be my big show um, and I'll put everything into it, all my, all my stories from my childhood, all the music that I've wanted to do. And it went well. And then as it was going well, I started projecting into the future of how the hell am I going to follow this? Because this is doing better than I've ever expected. And all of a sudden people coming to see me, I've never had that before. But, um, but then I took a year off after that um, and all that pressure went away. And now I started getting excited to do something new. Great. And yeah, I'm not really thinking in terms of, oh, it's got to be better than the last one. I'm just thinking of what's exciting to me and what's funny to me and what's, what do I think would be a challenge to do. And is your dream now just to continue doing comedy or is there something else you want to like write? A, I know you like films. Do you want to write a mm. movie? Do you want to do a TV series? What's, what's the, what would be yep. like, this is, this is the dream to do this. So weird, man. I don't know. I think, um, I, I maybe if, a few years ago, I would have had, a better answer to that. But I think the one thing someone said to me recently, uh, and sorry to name drop, but I'm going to, but it was uh, singer songwriter, Ben Lee, Australia's sweetheart. Um, Because I I have kind of had a little opposite thing to you where I've started adding more music as the years have gone on, um, as opposed to you stripping it down, which is actually smarter because you just have to carry less shit to gigs now. That was a big reason. (laughs) It was a big reason of going I get there early I do a sound check And then when I get on stage The sound person's not even there And it's fucked up again I'm like I I left the house An hour earlier than I needed to (laughs) Yeah I I feel like a fucking idiot Because I'm carrying more stuff Than ever To gigs now (laughs) And getting there so early But um, I've started adding more music And I did a show uh, A year ago That Ben Lee was on Weirdly It was like a music and comedy show And Ben and I were talking afterwards and he was saying, um, he was saying like, you know what would be cool, man, if your career could be both comedy and music at the same time. And he was like, I don't know what that means, but wouldn't it be cool if you could be thought of as both a comedian and a musician, not just a musical comedian. And I still don't know what that means, but I do think that would be cool. Whatever, Mm. whatever that turns out to be. I don't ever want to put out serious songs. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do like the, Brett from Flight of the Concords or um, Tim mentioned This Isn't Funny tour. Yeah. But I would like, I think, one day for people to be able to look at the songs as being good songs, even though they are funny, if you know what I mean. Yes. Because uh, uh, what's his name from Tim and Eric uh, does? Oh, like, yeah. Tim Heidecker. Of, yeah. yeah. Does serious yeah, his songs. His stuff's cool. Uh, I can't um, see myself ever doing serious songs again, but... But yeah, it would be nice for people to go, oh, like I like to listen to this. If I put music out that yep. are funny songs, I'd like for people to go, I like to listen to the songs just for the song as well, you know? I think that would be yeah. fucking cool. Great. Um, All right. Well, that's... Man, like, I'll say this before we go. The dream, sh- the dream project has, for me, has already been done. And that is the Flight of the Concords TV show. Oh, I think that's yeah. the best fusion of comedy and music. Absolutely. And it's all literally already been done. So I don't even know what there is to do. That would be, yeah, to do another a show like that. Because I know uh, a friend of mine pitched a show very similar and then Fly Concords came out. Fly Concords had been a radio show, mm. but not a TV show. And he, he was pitching something and then they were like, that came out and they were like, ah, oh, what's the fucking point? 
It's yeah, everyone's just going to say we're ripping off Flight the Concord, so let's not let's not do that. All right, so that's career done. All right, now we've got mm. friends, family, or health. <coughs> Which one do you want to do? Let's go friends. Cool. Are you? Uh, do you have a lot of friends? Well, that's an interesting question for comedians because don't we like? That's a weird thing that we have where we we call everyone that we know our friend. Yeah, it's a strange industry where all our acquaintances are also our f- best friends if we're in a room with them. <laughs> well, I w- this comes up a lot with when I'm talking about comics, like because it is that thing of like where when you hang out with comics, then you go hang out with people who aren't comics. I kind of find myself holding back a bit. Going, oh, I can't mm. say that. That's going to offend someone, or not uh, even mm. offend, but just that they won't get that it, I'm joking straight away. Whereas when you're talking with comics, you're like, "Oh, it's easy. It's just so easy. We'll just all." And if it doesn't land, we just hang shit on me, and it, it's it's fine. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so, all right, I'll go back then. Are you friends with people from your youth still? Yeah, I think maybe um, only a handful from school. Yeah, and uh, they're guys that I played in bands with and stuff like that. Um, I've got a few. Female friends from high school still, a um, couple of dudes. But my, I played in two bands with my cousin, Jason, and him and I are still very close. But yeah. of course we are. We're fucking cousins. Like We see each other all the time. When, when the bands broke up, was there a big breakup meeting or was there an incident? <laughs> yeah, of course. There's, you know, this made me feel sick. I, uh, when I was writing that last show, Electric Dreams, I went through all my old email accounts from when I was doing music and I found a really long email of me organising the meeting where I was going to break up the band. Oh, and so you broke it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the, the email, the, the pre-meeting email that I'd sent out to everyone was already one of the most embarrassing things. Like, so personal. I was like... Everyone had their own head headline in the email body. It was like, uh, Tom, I don't think your heart's in it anymore. <laughs> I think you're more focused on blah, blah, blah. <laughs> J- Jason, you're, you've never really been on the same page as me. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so horrible. And this is before we went into breakup. So they must have all gotten that email and just been like, uh, oh, this fucking asshole. <laughs> I sent an email to an ex once about a, a month after they broke up with me. And it was like... I don't have that email account anymore, but I re- oh. I wanted to read it. Like I just sort of going, ah, oh, this is going to be so cringy. This is going to be me at, at twenty two, just being <laughs> so earnest. And I was like, oh god. But her breaking up with me was the best thing that ever happened. At, like especially at the, it was at the perfect time. It was like I was at the end of uni, and it was like, yeah, this is good. I didn't want to teach. If I was with her, I would have got into teaching. I would have been miserable after like a couple of years. And sure. yeah, it was that. It was the kickstart that I needed. But just I really would love to read that email. Like I just ah, oh, because it was long. It was long. <laughs> you don't need to read it. You you know what it is. If you read it, it'll just make you feel so bad. You'll just want to apologize so oh, badly. I also I also went and got my stuff from her house, and she was wasn't there, but she had a little dictaphone recorder, and I rec- played a <laughs> s- I played a song on the recorder. No, you didn't. Yeah. Are you serious? I played Evan Dando's. Uh, <laughs> oh the, my god, it was oh, Dando. Yeah, Jesus uh, it was Christ. the same thing. I, oh, I'll, I'll look it up. It's the the title is uh, 
also terrible. It's like the the same thing I fought hard about is the same part that I can't live without or something like that. It's like really. Oh my god, on the nose. <laughs> it's real bad. It's actually written. The song's written by it's your the mate. Ben Lee one. Yeah, yeah. Ben Lee. Yeah, but he's uh, written some really good songs for Evan Dando. Yeah, the same thing you thought hard about is the same thing I can't live without. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm a loser. Oh, no. Fuck. But I think, like, because you, you moved from Tasmania to Melbourne. Yeah. And I, I moved from Newcastle to Sydney. And, like, I'm still in touch with some... Uh, I'm still really close with some core people. But all the people that were maybe, like, you know, friends but not not super connected with... Um, have unfortunately like we've just gone into in different directions. It's very yeah. hard to stay in touch when you're just not seeing them every few days at the pub yep. and stuff like that. <clears throat> I, I actually feel like I found better. I made better friends once I started doing comedy and friends that I now think, oh, these will be my friends for life. You know. Well, that's really nice that you've got that because I always ask how many how many people would you ask for a lift to the airport from, and how many people would mm. you give a lift to the airport. Is there mm. more that you'd give a lift to the airport? I uh, yeah, I think I offer. I, I have given lifts and picked up some comedians from the airport. I'm probably more of a I'll offer to do this than I will ask. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I'm. I think I have made my lifelong friends now. Probably from the age of twenty four to now. So the last ten years. Um. I now feel like I have a core group of friends, which is nice. And yeah. then there's the ones from my childhood that I'll always be best mates with, you know, yeah. no matter what. And sometimes we might go long stretches without chatting. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm very grateful. It's a, it's a long and lonely road when you feel like you're someone who lives in your own head a lot. Yeah. Um, all you can do is write emails to bandmates and list why they're not like the same as you and have the same brain as you. So how, um, how was the meeting? Was it, did they all know what was happening before they even got there? Or? Of course, of yeah. course. Like they'd all chatted like this cunt's going to break the band up. And it was so dramatic. There was a storm and the power went out. So we, we had candles lit. <laughs> Like it was like uh, it was like uh, Nirvana's MTV Unplugged set. <laughs> Very funereal. Uh, uh, besides the band, have you had any other friendship breakups? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's been like, like uh, we had a me and my now wife had a mutual friend because we uh, we sort of met when we were at uni. We, we'd met when we were way younger through friends of friends. And then we sort of connected and became boyfriend and girlfriend when we were at uni. And we had a mutual friend there who we just thought was the funniest dude and would hang out with him all the time because he was a bit crazy. And then it just became one of those things, the older you get into your 20s, where you're just like, this crazy guy is actually becoming a liability in our lives. <laughs> I have a bit about it in the new show where I'm talking about like those guys, where you, every time you inter- introduce them to your new friends, they're like, uh, oh, look, look, he's harmless. Just, like, <laughs> I, I, I've just known him forever. And look, he's, once you get to know him, he's actually really nice. But like, and then you realize he's not actually. Like, he's he, will, <laughs> he was very off-putting. Yeah, I mean, like there's i don't even want to say his name but there is a a guy in comedy that we were talking about before we started recording this yes who was i was friends with him and he was one of those guys like a larger than life very charismatic 
lunatic yep. that everyone was a bit enamored with because it's, it's kind of crazy and exciting to be around someone like that. Someone who doesn't live by the rules that we do. Yeah. Um, but then you hit a point where you just have to kind of go, do I really want to be around this like honestly terrible energy and this bad influence and yep. you know, I don't know. I, and yeah, Hey, that guy is someone that I've also had a friendship break up with. Um, and I remember my, my wife, was the one who called him being a bad person many years before it came out. It's interesting like, when, yeah. You shouldn't be friends with him. I think he's a bad person. I can yep. sense I can sense some darkness. I, uh, my wife is the same sometimes. She's like, is he really your friend? Because like, yeah. every, every story you're telling me about him, it doesn't seem like he's your friend. I'm like, oh, no, no, yeah. no. Like, but they, yeah, they just see it different, mainly because they know us better. Um, all right, so we'll put in friends. All right, uh, we've got family and health. Which one do you want to go with? Oh man, yeah. Let's uh, uh, let's go to health, man. Health. I know you're you're a gym guy. You love it. This, this is not about me, Cameron. This is about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but you're an inspiration. Because, I have an apology um, to make for you as well. Oh yeah. When we were first becoming friends, I thought it'd be funny. I I was commenting. I commented on an Instagram post going, "Oh, if you put on weight, I thought it'd be fun. I thought you'd find it funny." And then I, I think you didn't find it funny. I think you because I. You were oh, saying yeah. on another post, you said, "Yeah, someone just told me I, I look a bit chubby, and I, I'm furious." I'm like, "Oh no, I thought, I thought he'd get that <laughs> I was joking." So I, I apologize. That. I'd completely forgotten that. Um, yeah, man, I have had some, like maybe you, maybe you can relate. I don't know, but I've had like, I now know that body dysmorphia is a term, but I yep. didn't know that for many years. Probably, you know what? This is embarrassing to say. Until Mark Maron started talking about it on his podcast. Oh, so I, I don't listen to that I, unless there's a guest I really like. So I may have missed the body dysmorphia episodes of WTF. I remember those early days, like 2011, 2012, Mark Maron used to talk about his food issues and how he always feels immense guilt anytime he eats and he is constantly like feeling his body for any roll of fat or whatever and like beating himself up about it looking at photos and hating himself looking at himself in the mirror and hating himself and i think uh it wasn't until i'd heard that man that 50 year old man from america who's a famous asshole articulate that that i kind of thought oh that's yeah that's exactly my experience with my body and uh not liking the way I look and wishing I was different. And and is that from childhood or is that from your days on stage? I don't really know because I've always been pretty confident on stage and I'm like relatively uh, okay looking like an idiot when I'm in charge of it. Maybe like, I think my parents are very hyper obsessed with, with like food and weight and, uh, you know, they would like, say negative things about themselves all the time. And so that's probably rubbed off in some way, but yeah, I've, uh, yeah, like my weight has gone up and down over the years and I real, I don't think about it as much anymore, but definitely whenever that would have been like whenever we were becoming buddies, it was a hyper concern to me, especially because I was, um, just starting to like do some acting in sketches and stuff like that. And so I was on camera and I was watching myself in edits and just being like so mean to myself. Yeah. And, and just, I remember watching one of those sketches and just, I think Becky uh, Lucas was in the edit suite with me 
and I just like had a fucking mental snap and I just like stood up and was like, fuck, like, who the fuck? I don't, I can't believe we can't put this out. I can't have anyone see me like this. I look disgusting. I'm gross, blah, blah, blah. And Becky had to like calm me down and talk me into just sort of saying like, no, you, what do you, you look normal. Stop it. Please, please stop. I don't know. Yeah. I've definitely had some, I've definitely had some issues with it. And, um, I like to, it's tough. Cause like I, I like to exercise. It makes me feel really good to exercise. But I think nowadays it's probably more about the, uh, like mental calm rather than yeah. like achieving a, sh- a shape or a look. So when you're in your head about that and kind of spiraling, is there anything you know will help you get out of this? Uh, well, I remember like for years, I just wanted to be like, I just wanted to look like every hot movie star, you know, it's so hard not to. Yeah. Is it, is it weird for for us to be talking about this? Cause I know that like, like it's obviously a big thing that uh, like, uh, women's beauty and women's bodies are like commodified in such a way that that definitely has an impact on many regular women. But I think that in the last 10 years, there's been more abs on men in movies than I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah. Every every actor now is actually just a bodybuilder. Yeah. It's insane. Like like the bear, like, yeah. Why is he so ripped? There's not, there's not one single scene where he's going to the gym. He's in the kitchen all day <laughs> eating butter and he's so ripped. It shouldn't, <laughs> it shouldn't be like that. Just, and just write one scene saying, oh, where's Kami? Oh, he's at the gym. All right. And then he he's comes He's at in. F45. He does that. Yeah. Every, you know he does that every day. Just have one character say that. Yeah. He's really committed to it. He does it every day, sometimes twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> Hey cousin, where are you coming? Are you coming back from uh, from your hit workout? Because it, it's interesting. Because yes, I, I agree with you that women from very very young age get tired, mm. and they're kind of valued by oh, aren't you pretty? Aren't you beautiful? All that kind mm. of stuff. But also, I think there is something, especially little boy. I can only talk from my own experience, but like just having like there was wrestlers who I would oh, like. Yeah. I was as a kid into wrestling. And it was back in the day where there were, you could be f- a fat wrestler. Mm. Now, I'm not into wrestling, but looking at the wrestlers there, there are no fat wrestlers. That's yeah, all that, just they're gone, these, are they? There's I no think, Mick, no Mick Foley's. No Mick Foley's. Although, they, look, I don't know how many Four Burners fans are also wrestling fans. There could be some. Let me know. If, are there any fat wrestlers? <laughs> 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 but I do yeah. think, yeah, like, and like, that kind of stuff is all about abs. And I, also, I think kids are, I think, working out a lot younger now. There was no one in my totally. high school who ever worked out. No, God, no. No and way. Now, and now there's lots of kids, and I don't know if it's healthy. Oh, I'm going to say, I don't think it's that healthy. I mean, well, I don't, th- I don't think so either. But I mean, there's, I know that when I was younger, I was really scrawny. And then uh, I got injured when I was 17. I got uh, a really bad injury on my hand, I was stabbed. And that was the first time I put on weight. Yeah. And then I was really insecure and self-conscious. And then since then, my weight went up and down and all that stuff. But uh, And I would get in my head about it. But now I think the thing I think of whenever I'm... Like if I look at a fucking Kumail Nanjiani, who's like obscenely ripped now, 
I just think, oh, well, I'm a comedian. I shouldn't be trying to look like that. And also, neither should he. No. Because he is a comedian too. So... I think really all we want to do is like look decent in a t-shirt and uh, you know yep. feel feel good about yourself. But now, yeah, I think I, I I like to exercise. I like to eat well, but it's less about how I look and more about um, how I feel. Yeah, like yeah. when I know you do those hit workouts, um, I do a bit of those as well. And the main thing I like about it is that I'm not thinking about anything for 40 minutes. Yeah. I'm just focusing on what I have to do. Yeah. Pick up this kettlebell, swing it, jump up on that box, pull these ropes. Yeah. Look, I got into it for mental health, really. Mm. That's what, that's a way to escape what I was going through and going, oh, this is a healthier way to deal with this than like just going and drinking and doing drugs. And yeah. so, so mental health How's your mental health? Is it is it good? Is it strong? It's definitely gotten better in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. I think I went through before COVID. It was pretty bad, and then it started getting better during COVID. I think. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why. I think maybe I couldn't think about comedy because it wasn't happening. I was spending a lot of time at home with my <clears throat> wife and my dog, and I was just happy to be refocused on yep. the our little unit and then now that's my priority in life is everything that i do whether it's you know any career aspirations they're not now i'm trying to think of them as in service of my home life like how can i how can i do well and make money in order to go on a fun holiday with my wife or you know save up and buy a house or whatever I'm, i'm really trying to focus everything back towards that little unit I think that's really because so many people say, "Oh, I do this for you, for their family," and like sometimes you're like, "No, you're not." Like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know so many comics who are doing it to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. I know. I like being home though. It's nice. Yeah. I'm also a homebody. <laughs> yeah. I, are yeah. you? I, I love it. I love a night in. It's it's yeah. the best. I'm. I've definitely and maybe I've embraced too like the fact that I am probably more of a natural introvert than an extrovert, and I feel better if i'm just staying in at home and chilling than like going out and being around people all the time yeah yeah um great all right health done done all right last family mm. well, how yeah. many do you have you've i don't know this for certain but do you have a sister is that no no i've got two younger brothers two younger brothers ah so you're the oldest yeah i'm the i'm the eldest yes uh two younger brothers parents still together yep um yeah, man. Must I, be nice. No. Yes. <laughs> it has its own issues. My parents are a good role model for love because they, they're they still very much in love. That's nice. But it's, it's almost like an unachievable goal because they're it's, it's almost fucking gross how much they love each other. They hold hands and shit. It's fucking disgusting. I've seen them just like... They don't even know anyone's watching and they're just like holding hands or cuddling or whatever. I'm like, you fucking make me sick. Stop. Just be normal. Like sit on opposite ends of the lounge and scroll on your phones. I think that's very nice. It Um, is nice. So what what do your parents do? What do they do? Mum is a teacher's aide in Newcastle. Oh, that's right. We've talked about it because our parents, our mums do the same job. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. And what does your dad do? Well, he's retired now, but he was a nuts and bolts salesman. 
Oh, God, fuck. Yeah, I love the world of sales. I wish I had a sales background. My dad's he's, an engineer. Well, um, my, my dad, uh, as a, he's a salesman for like 50 years, and it does affect your psyche because you don't, you don't want anything to be too deep. You just want everything mm. service level because you can't you – just. he's very good at small talk. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah. Let's keep. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he'll change his mind on a topic mid conversation if he th- feels that oh the room's changed. So he'll be <laughs> he'll be talking to me about something, and because he he listens to three AW and he, like he's just of that generation, and he'll go to me like oh this is what they were saying on that. What do you reckon? And I'm, I'll be against it. He goes yeah yeah I'm against yeah it's terrible terrible. Isn't it? Like, yeah. It was like fucking hell. But yeah. You know what? Weirdly, I saw Husey do that on stage one time. He went on and started talking about fireworks, and he was like, "I fucking hate fireworks. How shit are they?" And then he started ranting about it, and the crowd weren't that into it. And then in the middle of his rant, it just became about how awesome fireworks <laughs> are, and how there's nothing better than fireworks. <laughs> he just, I just watched the gear turn. I'm like, "Oh, okay. You're finding your angle, and your angle is whatever they think." Yeah, he might um, be losing it, but he's not losing this crowd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so what did yeah. your dad do? Engineer. Yeah, uh, civil engineer. So he was like a draftsman and he works for the water board in Newcastle. Um, very mathematical guy. Yeah. He's very funny, very dry. But um, yeah, he's like, he was the serious parent um, yeah. when I was in high school. When I was like, I want to play in bands or I want to act. My mum, who's very artistic and whatever, was like, yes, follow your dreams, do it. You should do it. You're amazing. And then my dad was like, you need a backup plan. Uh, This is not going to work out. Uh, I hope it does. But if it doesn't, you really need to do this, 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 and this. Get a job, focus on this, get this degree, blah, blah, blah. Um, But now he's pretty happy, I suppose. Well, yeah. Well, now they can see it working out. Yeah, well. I mean, uh, yeah, they see the they see some things. Like, if anything good ever happens to me, I make sure to tell them because yeah. uh, there's still a part of me that's like, I just don't want to. I need to atone for all of my twenties where I was borrowing money off them and like they would have to pay my car rego and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, two younger brothers as well, and um, both of them also played in- instruments. When they were younger, but neither of them are musicians anymore. I also should say my dad's a drummer, so we grew up with a drum kit, a drum kit in the house, yeah. and um, guitars and stuff around. So there was always music in the yeah. family, but no one really pursued it seriously. I don't yeah. think. Are you and your brothers close? We're actually better now. I think, yep. uh, yeah, probably was. Well, I was. I'm two years older than one, three years older than the other. And I think for most of my teenage years, I just thought they were just annoying little brats that lived in the same house as me. And then I yeah, moved out when I was 21 or something. And so kind of like missed a big chunk of their time. They spent more time together than with me. Yeah. And then now that we're all in our 30s, um, we're just like buddies, which is good. And yeah. like it's, I can see their different personalities. Whereas when I was younger, they were just too annoying people that yeah. lived with me <laughs> well i'm saying I, I was the first i'm the middle one but i was the first one to move out and oh. uh that's when i kind of became the person i kind of am like really found myself and and every time i'd go back and it was a bit weird for i think for my older brother because i was like, like a different person than mm. when i moved back and uh for my younger brother a bit 
because yeah, I don't know. We're, we're all kind of like right now. We're really we're closer than we've ever been. I'd say, hmm. like, even though we all live in different country. Oh, Breton's in Adelaide. Jason's in London. Like, yep. it's yeah, it's very similar to me, man. One of my brothers is still in Charlestown, but uh, in Newcastle. The other one is in Sweden. So yeah, we don't see each other that often, but we, you know, chat. We're in like a thread and stuff. And we, yeah. We mainly just talk about music and movies, but it's always fun. Yeah. As as a, we're in it, one, we pretty much talk about our parents and uh, <laughs> also NBA basketball. Um, is, is, it, is it weird, like, seeing your youngest brother then? Uh, mm. what's, he, what's he do? He, well, he lived, he moved to Sweden. He started dating a Swedish girl who was at uni out here called Stina. And he, when she moved back, he just moved with her and with the plan of staying for a few months. And it's been six years now. Um, He doesn't really have a steady job. He's just like over there for love and doing whatever the fuck he wants, like bits and pieces. He's worked at a pub. He's been a gardener for a rich guy he worked in an art gallery um i think he's now doing a little bit of production work on some yeah, like great. local tv and stuff but yeah he's just like living the european life yeah sweet uh okay so with you're you're married you got married quite mm. young as well i think we both got married what people yeah. would say outside of comedy would say oh that's a decent age to get married but in comedy it's like wow you got married young because you're in your 20s still <laughs> yeah, yeah uh <laughs> did you learn anything about your family from marrying into another family Wow. Yeah, I actually did. I learned that my family's conversations are mostly small talk, mostly surface level, um, which is what I just thought was normal. And any deep conversation, if a convo suddenly turns really deep, I'm often a little bit like, whoa, what are we doing? This is not normal. But my wife's family will have like arguments at the dinner table. My family never did that. We would just be like... Oh, did you watch The Simpsons? Yeah, that was funny. How's um, blah, blah, blah. Just real light surface level shit. Alex's family will sit there and have political arguments and discuss the deep issues of the day. They'll like debrief on AI. And I'm still like a little bit out of my depth with them. They'll fully be yelling at each other, but then they still love each other. And I'm often just trying to keep it light, just yeah. sitting there being like, uh, you know, AI porn's pretty cool, like trying to make jokes and stuff. You and my dad would get on so well. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like getting a little deep now, but it's that definitely came from her side of the family rather than mine. My, yeah. my, even now when I just spent a month and a half back with my family in Newcastle and everyone was there, like the first time in years that all the brothers have been there and we all stayed in the same house and it was great. We had the best time hanging out at the beach, everything, but it was still like pretty much only, only like chatting about the nice stuff. There was no, nothing too deep going on. And you know, that's, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, it's that thing of understanding of if something does go down, like I'm with mine, if something goes down, my parents will do whatever they can to, help out mm, like mm. even though things might be light and surface might not talk about it. although i do find that my mum <clears throat> will talk really deep to my wife really like, my mum's only got sons and so i don't think yeah, she likes same yeah. yeah and so if i'm if my mum's visiting and beck's here with her it, she'll i'll come home and beck will be like 
oh man, I need a break. Okay, I've just like it's it's been pretty heavy. And then I'll go to talk to mum. It's all light, nothing. Yeah, and it's like okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Seems <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, my mum and wife are quite tight, and because I, I think yeah, Alex is the daughter that she always wanted, I suppose, and. Uh, it's nice Like she's tighter with them Than I am with her parents And maybe she's even tighter with them Than she's with her own parents In yeah. a way Yeah It's like a Sort of A mum without all the pressure Or like the baggage Of your actual parents You know Yeah Alright So that that is it That is four burners Cameron Okay Now wow. we have to go You you have to turn Or you don't have to But the theory suggests that If you turn one off The other three uh, Become more successful If you turn two off the remaining two, super successful. So, which one are you keeping on? Let's go through which one you're keeping on. This is so intimidating, man. Um, Your wife would be fine with it, okay? That's what I'm saying. She would be, <laughs> her family would be get this done. Uh, I, I'll, you know, I've got to leave career on yep. um, because I'm too deep into it now. Yep. <laughs> Even though I do have fantasies about doing any other job a lot What would you um, do if you didn't do comedy? I would love to move to coastal New South Wales And just work in a pub And like just be on during the day And chatting to the locals And like having a beer And then that's it And I think I've said this before uh, So sorry if I'm repeating myself But I also get to do the Sunday sessions in the beer garden and like play acoustic covers. That's that's great. So like, <laughs> I always like in what I wanted to do. If I wasn't doing comedy, this is my dream. Like mm. was to do comedy, but then it was like, oh, I'd love to just own a record store. I'm oh like, yeah, of course. High they've fidelity. All, they've all gone. Like what? A, that yeah, would have been the yeah. dumbest thing ever. Like in, incredibly, comedy was a better business decision than open yeah. up a record store and physical media. Yeah, or work in a bookshop. Yeah, and black books, high fidelity or black books. <laughs> they might be on the way out too, but yeah, yeah, but that would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I got to leave the career on because, like, what else is there at this point? It's too late. I can't, I can't pivot now. Um, I got to leave family on. Nice. So if I turn, if I turn health off, what if if I turn health off? What if I die? <laughs> Jesus Christ well, I can't well, handle that Well you'd have a lot of Friends and family at the funeral Because you concentrate on those <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit That's actually a great point Yeah maybe I'll do that Maybe I'll turn health off Health health. First person to turn health off Well That's done That's crazy I mean I'm just like Accepting that I'll die But I like the idea of Friends and family at the funeral And you know what I don't want A fun funeral I know a lot of people say that They want their funeral will be a celebration. I want mine to be incredibly sad and somber. I want people wailing and crying and like, I'm not Jewish, but I want people to sit shiver if they can. Like sit with my body, spend a, spend a week with my body if you can. I I said the same thing. I, I said to Beck, if I go first, if anyone gets up and does my material, kick them off the stage. I do not want anyone getting up there and making a, a train cake joke or <laughs> fucking, yeah. I'd be like, no, nah, we're not having that. Yeah. Not the first time Josh has died, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's good. So uh, family, career, and health, and friends. That's great. Yeah, Excellent. that's not bad. Okay, that's, good. So it's, it's really good. Is, it, is it a pass-fail situation on this no. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> 
Everyone passes with flying colours. <laughs> hey, Kat, you've got shows in the in the festivals all around the country. It's what's the, what's the show called this year? The show is called Mixtape. Mixtape, great. Yes. Um, and your, your uh, mate Ben Lee did an album called Ben Lee's Mixtape that he never released, but he was working on it. Should, we should get him to release it. Maybe it ha- at the same time as my tour is happening. That'd had the lead good. singer from the Cardigans on a track. It had like, yeah, he was, he's a mover and shaker, that guy. He certainly is. He's not shy to get out there and uh, <laughs> let everyone know that he's got stuff going. But he's also, um, I, you know, I say this as a fan of his. I'm like a little bit in awe of him. And I've been lucky enough to become buddies with him over the last couple of years. And he's... This is an exclusive. I haven't said this to anyone yet. He is releasing some of my comedy songs under his oh, r- his Weirder uh, Together boutique label, Weirder Together with Ioni Sky. Oh, yeah, that's great. so I've been recording like six songs with uh, writer producer Joyride, who's a good mate of oh, mine, and um, Ben's putting them out, which is pretty fun. So we'll be putting them out this over the next few months, I suppose, and. Um, Hopefully people like him. But I had yeah, been, he's been very good at that. He was on an episode of Don't You Know Who I Am, and I don't know, if, it was over Zoom, so it was hard to get a gauge. I don't think he really got a gauge on me because I, I I'm a big fan. Like, yeah. I, like his album, uh, Grandpa Wood, I was the, when it came out, I was the same age that he was when he recorded it, and we kind of grew oh, up wow. together. He got me into Quebec, and I could tell he wasn't sure where I was coming from. I was kind of like, you know, and then halfway through, I just, just want to say and kind of express my fandom to him. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm not sure if I played it right. I'm not sure. It's still. I think he would love that. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would be against someone saying they're a fan of him. I don't know. There's sometimes musicians don't understand that I'm like fans of them. Like, yeah. When I when I was doing uh, Speaks and Specs, Ricky Lee Coulter was on there, and I oh, wasn't yeah. look. And I wasn't like making fun of her, but I brought up Coldplay because I knew that her husband and her um, walked down the aisle to it. Hmm. And she just went off me. Don't you dare make fun of that. I'm like, I'm not. I'm getting into the story so you could tell. <laughs> like, I was oh like, God. oh God, this is so on edge around me. I'm, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I know. But we're just music fans, you yeah. and I. Like, we want. I think maybe even more than idolizing comedians, probably you and I like really idolize musicians and sort of just want them to like us. Like my, Absolutely. A little bit my fantasy is to just oh. be friends with a lot of musicians. There's a reason I invited Tim Rogers on the show. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, I just want to be in a room with him. He's great. Of course. Way more than comedians. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ben's helping me put some songs out. And, yeah, I'm touring uh, all around. I'll be everywhere. Adelaide, Canberra, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, Newcastle. Um, yeah, and cool. there's lots of songs in this show, and it's the, the whole show is basically a story of a time in my life, 2009, when I was working at a theatre restaurant and going through my first big relationship <sighs> at the same time. And there's a lot of songs in the show. It's so it's 2009, so there'll be no friends saying, "Hey, you should watch this this comic comic called Josh Earl." Oh, I didn't make it, guys. I didn't make just the cut. a year, just a year before that happened. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the end of the show. And then the next year, <laughs> someone sent me a video of Josh Earl at Laugh-A-Palooza and my life was never the same. <laughs> uh, hey, that's great. I, uh, also, you got you do podcasts. People listen to those podcasts. So how many podcasts you got on the go right now? Becky and Cam Hotline? Becky and Cam. Uh, Joy Wright is actually the third co-host on that. So he's on that quite a lot, the dude that I wrote these songs with. And um, 
Uh, maybe this is a spoiler, or maybe not. I think it might be out there now. Alexi and I are wrapping up our podcast for a while, where it's just a bit hard with all the travel. Yep. So Alexi is doing taking over the feed solo for a little while, but there's lots of back catalog of mine Alexi's podcast uh, special features or Total Reboot or Mic Check or any of the finding shows out there if you feel like going back. Great. Make sure you do all that, people. Hey, if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing my show, Four Burners, the stand-up show, not the podcast, uh, April 8 to April 21 at Tasman Terrace. Tickets are selling pretty well, Cameron. Nice. So, That's what we want. So last time I was on here, I was pretty much begging people. They listened. They're buying tickets, which is great. So Thank go God. to joshearl.com.au for all the tickets. Also, I'm doing four Don't You Know Who I Am's Saturdays at the European Beer Cafe, Morris House, Basement Comedy, whatever whatever it's called these days. Uh, so <laughs> Morris. Morris House. Ma- Morris House. So make sure you get tickets to that at the same place. Uh, they're always super fun shows, three o'clock, just before Dum Dum. So you can do the double if that's what you're into. Thanks, Do the dirty double. Thanks for having me, man. (laughs) Hey, it was so much fun. See you guys next time. Bye.